You are listening to the message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. Okay, so yes, live at sea. Um, before I even begin reading the introduction, when I read this, somehow, you know, in images came to my mind. I can imagine, you know, during that time, sailing is not an easy task. In fact, um, I don't know if you guys have watched a documentary before in, um, I think, Discovery. In there, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated. In fact, I want to become, uh, you know, snow crab. Yeah, a snow crab catcher, you know, like back in the Alaskan. I love the life. When I watch that documentary, it's not just the money that they earn, you know, like, one, one season when they go out, when they come back, they can literally not work for the entire year until the next season they go back again. So when I watch that, I say, if only I can do that. And it's in Alaska. It's very cold. It's very harsh environment. But gosh, man, you get to eat the snow crab as well. So you know, you know how expensive the snow crabs are, right? If, and then if you go and you go to the supermarket, especially in Japan, it's not cheap, but it is a delicacy. And I can understand why it's so expensive. Reason being, it's so hard to catch. And those fishermen, they literally risk their life just to get that snow crab, to put it on your table for people to enjoy. You know, not just the good money coming in, but they literally put their life online to catch those crab. But when I saw that, somehow, you know, that I want to be, you know, I want to be that. If I'm not here, you know, not in Singapore, I want to be a, you know, snow crab catcher. So when I read these passages, you know, that image actually came to my mind. And I tried to put myself there. You know, and Paul being there, this is anyway, this is about Paul, you know, um, him traveling to Rome eventually to meet Caesar, to stand trial before Caesar. He's just obeying God. So, this is where I extract the message from. Okay, so let's start by reading the introduction. Okay, I'm going to set, you know, the story first, okay, as an intro introduction. So, in Acts chapter 27, verse 1 to 8, it says, When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. And you know how important Paul is. Huh? He's a VIP prisoner. That's why he has an imperial regiment centurion personally <laughs> escorting him. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, okay, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. So Paul has companions. Huh? The next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. And he goes on to say, There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy. Basically, it's a bigger ship, you know, where they can sail for a longer distance. They swap, you know, from a small ship to a bigger ship. From Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Canidus. Okay, well, I have a problem pronouncing this word, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> To be honest. So when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmon, 
Okay, we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lercia. So basically, you know, when they begin the journey, they are faced with trouble, they are faced with obstacles. It is an odious journey, in fact, they had under the mercy of the foul weather. Okay, it, when, I, when I read this, I basically look up the map, you know, Crete is actually at the bottom, when they actually have to sail, you know, southwest upwards towards Italy, where Rome is. And where they are sailing, the route is actually facing the Mediterranean Sea, the open sea itself. So they are actually under numbers. And during that time, as I mentioned before, the sail ship are not what we have today. Now, the luxuries of a ship, a cruise ship that we have, the sail basically, they are under the weather. Okay, whatever the weather throws at them, they have to take it. So, now, the interesting thing is that when I read this, you know, we compare our life on, our life on earth itself, you know, can be compared to a ship, our life at sea. So, the sea is actually comparable, you know, to the world that we are living in. It's not an easy life, we all know that, right? The sailors, now you see, just imagine, okay, because just imagine those little sailors, Small little Lego figures, okay? They are all in your heads, okay? You being the main, the main vessel. All the sailors are in your head. So why do I say that? Because the sailors are just like the decision, okay? And the thoughts that is within your mind. You see, where the ship goes, how the ship goes, when, and where, it's all decided by what? By who? The sailors. So same goes with your life. How you go through your life, the decision that you make, the choices that you make, even the mistakes that you make in life, it's all by your own thoughts, what you decide. So you actually okay, are the captain of your ship. I remember Stephen once shared before, you know, who is the captain of your ship? That message he shared quite some time back in Kamyam, okay, Methodist Church. Okay. So the sailors are the decision and the thoughts that is within our mind that decides and shapes the course of the ship, which is your life. Isn't living... If, isn't living life like sailing at sea? All it takes, you know, one moment you can be like smooth sailing, you thank God, you know, for his blessing, you know, for everything that is smooth sailing in your life. All it takes is just a small little trip over or a storm that can actually wreck the entire smooth and tranquil life that you have. All it takes is just that. Okay, so life is uncertain, one thing for sure, okay? We make mistakes in life, period. I purposely put a period there. Why? Because that is a fact. No one can deny that, right? There is no afterthought, wow, why? Be, why? You don't need to have to think about we make mistakes. We have to come to that point. So we often, as, as I was saying, life is uncertain and we often need directions. Like the sailors out at sea, they need bearings. They need, now we have compass, we have sonars, we have, you know, um, what you call that, um, all kinds of technology to help us to sail. But in the past, do you know how they did their sailing? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a good sailor, but I know how to sail. You know, the boat I sail is what we call a laser boat. You know, it's a small little boat. That also has to be de dependent upon the wind and the waves and the water condition. I used to sail a lot. Where I did my sailing was, you know, around um, the northern part where Pulau Ubin is. Passeris Beach. That is where actually I used to work as as a part time coach. You know, so I get to sail for free. That's good. <laughs> so when when I was, I imagine myself. You know, whenever I went out to sail, I am really at the mercy of the weather, 
and the waves and the tides. No matter how good my skill is, I can only do so much with the boat. The rest is like, I pray, God, you know, always, when I get, getting out is easy, for sure, definitely. Whether you are against wind or you are with the wind, but coming back is a whole new different ball game. Why? Because we have to rush back, you know, on time and depending on the tide, if the tide goes down, there is no way that you can berth your boat. And we have to literally haul the boat across at least, I would say, 150 meters to 100 meters of mud. And that is not an easy task. Okay? But it's fun. Okay? If we have the chance, you know, we can go sailing together. <laughs> yeah. So, like the sailors out at sea, you no, know, back in the olden days, okay, they would use stars. They would look gaze at stars at night to guide them. Why? They would look for the, you know, the deeper that always points to the northern. And they would use that as their bearing. During the daytime, they would look at the sun. Even though they sometimes depend, based on their own experience, they may depend on the wind to guide them, you know, in a certain direction. They may sail this route many times before. So they will always sail this route at this certain time of the day, at this, you know, um, certain point, just to ensure that they can get to where they are based on their own experience. Now, if you ever wonder, you know, on the ship itself, let's say, you know, this is the front of the ship. I'm just going to mention some, you know, marine terms that maybe, you know, can help us. Does anyone know what's the front of the boat called? Besides Stephen. <laughs> I know Stephen knows that. Anyone else? You know what is it called? Okay, I, always, I always teach my students the same thing. They would like, look at me like, duh, isn't that the front? We don't use terms like this, no. You don't use front, back, top, bottom, left, right, no. Okay, in marine terms, they have their own words to use, their own language, so that they won't get themselves confused. When they're out there, you know, in the in the traffic of of, of uh, uh in the sea of boats, uh, where the heavy traffic is. So the front is actually what we call the bow. How I always tell them is, you know, how the Japanese greet each other, they would bow. So use that to remember the word. Okay, the back is called the stern. You know, stern. I think um, okay, uh, probably people like Elaine, Joe, or even Alicia, or even George himself. Uh, okay, why? Because we stay in Singapore. Have you ever heard of the term ghostan? I know it's a local Malay colloquial word, right? Gostan. What does Gostan mean? I think maybe Adon, you all know. So what does Gostan mean? Reverse. Correct. Okay. That is the term we like to use, especially in Singapore. I don't know about Indonesia, maybe in Malaysia as well. Gostan, Gostan. Okay. But do you know where that word actually came about? It came from actually the term used by the British when they were occupying Singapore during the, during the colonial time. It's actually the word go, go or stern. So when the Malay heard that, oh, you learned something today, right? If you cannot remember my message, at least you learned this word. Great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, go stern means, when they heard that, when the Malays heard that, uh, go stern, go stern, go stern. Aye. Saya faham. So whenever they say go stern, it means go stern. So this is how you remember. That is a stern, okay? The bow. So the left side is what we call the pot. P-O-R-T. Why? Because if, if, if you don't believe me, you can do your own research. In the past, in the olden days, any boat, any ship, any vessels, even the ferries would always, okay, uh, uh, what you call it, embark or even uh, disembark for the passengers. It's always on the port side. Only. It's never on the right side. Why? Now that is the next interesting question. When I look at George, I thought George knows the answer. <laughs> it's like, I know why. Why? Because the right side is reserved for a reason. If you ever watch movie, especially Pirates of the Caribbean or any Pirates movie at all, 
You ever notice in a pirate boat, they always have this plank, right, that stretches out from the side of the boat. That plank is always on the right side, and that plank is never removed. What is the purpose of the plank? Besides forcing you know, your victims or, or your prisoners out there to jump over to feed the shark. No, that's not the real reason. Okay, that is not for them to do like high dive or whatever. That is actually what we call a starboard board. Okay, why? Now, the word starboard literally means it allows the captain or the sailors to walk out you know, from the main back of the ship out where it's not being blocked or hindered by the sails, by the mast, or whatever that thing that is blocking them to look up, to gaze at the stars at night. That's why it's called a star board. So the board is always there on the right side. That's why in the olden days, the ship never okay, parked at the right side. It's always on the port side, which is the left side. That's why it's called a port. Call to port. That's why it's called a port side, the starboard side. Ah, we learned something not new today, right? <laughs> okay, great. So, coming back to my message, sorry for the digress, but that is something that, yeah, that, that we can take note of. So, through, you know, the journey out at sea, sometimes, you know, the choice or the decision made by the sailors, or even you yourself, living out your own life, you know, whatever life you have, busy life, non-busy life, boring life like my life, okay, we still have to make choices every day, right? And some of these choices can be, a mistake that we made. So what are we going to do? Okay, don't fret. Okay, don't worry. Tonight I have the answer for you. Later on, we're going to look at okay some points. So because of all these mistakes, all these choices that we make, it can in inadvertently throw us, which is the ship, the vessels, right? The sailors that is in your head making all these you know wrong choices, wrong decisions, the Lego figures running around, okay, right into a storm. So when you are in the midst of the storm, okay. What are you going to do? Okay, this is what you're going to see later. Even, I can tell you, even sometimes, you know, you get sound advice, good advices from people telling you, Alicia, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go right. Then, she, knowing the, the, the generation nowadays, she would question me back. Why? Why I cannot go right? I like to go right. So she went right and then she fell down. Why? Because she kept looking at me. She didn't see the banana peel on the ground. See, that's the reason why. Okay, so that being said, you know, it could, you know, due to our pride. I know most of us, we have pride, you know, especially when we get older. We thought that, you know, we have lived through life. You know, we have years of experience. Who are you to tell me? Right. It could be out of curiosity as well. The more you tell me not to do, the more it irks me. It just me to do it. Okay. That's why they say curiosity kills a cat. Or just making out of sheer experience, like as I mentioned before. Okay. Meeting, meeting, your sheer experience meeting with the unpredictability of life itself. Now, a good classic case would be the story of Rehoboam. You know, him being the son of Solomon. When King Solomon died, Rehoboam took over the kingship. The thing about him is that we all know very well, you know, when Israel tried to make peace with him, okay, he told them basically, you guys go back, give me three days, let me go and you know, seek advice, think about it first, then I'll give you an answer to make the story short. So instead of consulting the elders who had worked his, with his father, King Solomon, he went to consult his wife, huh? his playmate, his peers, taking their advice. And in the end, what does that lead to? It actually led, eventually led to Israel rebelling against Rehoboam. So you see, this is what I meant. Okay? 
So this is probably a way we never know. This when I read that, when I when I read that story again, is anyway in is in First King chapter twelve. You can read through the entire chapter itself. When I read that, when I think back, probably this is how God actually tests us to humble us. You know, the more stubborn we are, the more God would want to use situations and circumstances like this to test you. Because that is the only way that He can break you and remold you. See, He cannot work with someone who does not you. All you all all we need to do is just have a you know yielding heart, that's all. Moldable for him to use. You know, there's a Chinese proverb that says, uh, I'm gonna say that in Chinese. Okay, I hope I remember. I'll, don't worry, I'll translate it into English, uh, for the sake of George. <laughs> okay, probably George knows also. So anyway, uh, Am I correct? <laughs> okay, I have to ask the Chinese expert at the back. Uh, okay, so what does that mean, George? Tell us. Anyway, man, you know that up in the mountain, there's a ferocious tiger. And yet, yet you still go ahead up into that mountain. You know there's danger ahead. But yet, because it could be out of your own stubbornness, your curiosity, you went ahead into danger. So this is what it meant. Okay, that's the Chinese proverbs. So there's another saying, you know, the calm before the storm. Now coming back to the application of sea life again. Uh, today, I'm just imagine you guys are sailors, okay? Anyway, I think next year, just again dig digress a bit. I think next year our church camp would be what? A cruise, right? Yeah, waves of glory. So yeah, <laughs> okay, let's face a wave. Uh. So as I was saying, you come before the storm. Um, even right now, okay, because now I'm a, I'm, I'm still a coach. I'm a part-time coach, so I coaches in many discipline, um, in different areas, in different sports. So one of the things that I'm currently still coaching is kayaking itself, canoeing. Um, actually, my office is actually at Kalang Reservoir. You know, if you ever been there the whole day, is it can be hot in one second, hot and humid like crazy, but the next moment. You can suddenly see the storm coming, and the wind is is blowing hard. It's gusty wind. Things can just change simply like this. So when I brought a group of students out, okay, out somewhere to practice their skill, to train them, whatever for whatever the reason is, sometimes when I see the storm coming, it can be overwhelming and it can be exciting. Why? Because I don't know why I love to be in the midst of storm. I don't know. Probably just that's inert in me. But when I saw that at that point in time, you see. I have to make the choice, the decision, whether to carry on with the class or to cancel it, quickly get ourselves back to where we started off, where, where the shore is, or what am I going to do? What if we are being caught in a storm? How? So tough choices like this in life definitely applies to us as well. So sometimes I just simply went ahead, you know, knowing that I will not make it in time, but yet if I don't go back now, See, that's the thing. Is if I don't go back now, I will never be able to make it in time for the students to get back on their school bus because their school bus would come at a designated time to bring them back to school after their, you know, their kayaking class or whatever it is. So choices like this, I have to make on the spot. And through enough, I know the storm is coming. I know that we can't make it, and we are caught in a storm. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to proceed. Okay, it's cold. I have kids, you know, capsizing. That means they're falling off from boats all over the place because it, the water become, you know, choppy and all that. Okay, but then these are the tough choices we have to make sometimes. So there are 
But when I say that, you know, sometimes there are signs in our life. Signs, you know, like probably, you know, prompting of the Holy Spirit, maybe, you know, telling you, whispering in your ears that, hey, you shouldn't do this, Joe. Oh, no, I don't think it's wise for you to do that. Then you think back to yourself, nah, I think that's my own voice. I don't think so. You know, you struggle with voices like this. That's why hearing the voice of God, able to discern the voice of God, is very important. You know what I mean? And of course, that takes experience. We, we don't just simply like, you know, unless God literally spoke in an audible voice to you, okay, which I only heard twice in my life, entire life. Okay? If not, He will just whisper suggestion in your ears. So you must be able to discern that. We choose to ignore that. You know, God will give us a leeway again. He will come back to you again. All we need to do is just go through what? The storms. We're going to relearn everything again and then we come back to Him, back to square one. Okay? But that's the thing about God, you see. There are signs in our life but yet, you know, sometimes we took a gamble. Okay, I don't think I want to. Just like the aforementioned um, examples that I gave you about me taking the making the hard choice whether to go back or to stay with the class because the thing the thing about in Singapore is that for schools okay it's a regulation if there's any lightning risk or thunder they would give a warning light a sound you know a siren as well if we hear that if we see that light by right okay we are not supposed to do anything but to quickly seek the nearest shelter and hide but sometimes you know me knowing myself also very well, sometimes I would like to gamble and take the chances and go for it. I've ever, I think in my lifetime, I've lightning strike within like one meter of me. I think Stephen knows how that feels like, whoa, the whole hair on your body just stood up. It's li literally static electricity and for a moment you were like stunned. Lightning just strike in front of you. And for a while I was just you know blinded for a while because it was so bright, you see. That happens to me twice. Don't play a fool with lightning, trust me, okay? Okay? That's a reason why God created lightning. Okay? So that is a reason why. So but all being said, okay, we make mistakes in life. Yes, sometimes we gamble in life. The choices we make lead us to, you know, literally into a storm. But I have good news for you. Again, you know, there's a saying, there is a silver lining on every cloud. Okay, we're going to see later in, the, in Acts chapter 27 for the rest of the verses, we're going to see Paul actually saw the silver lining. And how did he see that? Okay, we're going to eventually break down. Even though we are in a storm, albeit whether we choose to be purposefully get ourselves in a storm or unknowingly putting ourselves in those kind of situations, the thing is that don't give up. If we persevere, the outcome will always turn out positive. I can guarantee you that. Okay, why? Because it's not my word. It's not my own afterthoughts. It's what the Bible says. So I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us today. I don't know how many of us is going through certain storms in your life right now. It could be a small little storm or it could be a big, huge storm that lasts for days, for months, for years. I don't know. Some of us might be struggling right now. Okay, or even for those who are listening in right now. But I'm telling you, okay, when you look over the horizon, okay, that is where you see the calm. That is where you see after the storm. So let's look at the story of Paul's journey. You know, him being a prisoner. Okay, as he sailed for Rome. Rome. Sorry, let me turn this off first. Okay. So, as he sailed 
for Rome to stand trial before Caesar. Okay, I'm gonna just speak from a topic, Acts chapter 27, verse 9 to 26. I hope these few verses will shed some lights, okay, into seven steps through walking in and out of mistakes. Now, when I wrote this down, I was like, I struggle literally because if I take away the comma, basically what I imagine myself doing, you know, literally walking in and out, in and out of mistakes. When I think back, actually it's true. How many times do we walk into mistakes and out of mistakes and walk into mistakes again? How many times? Okay. For me, countless, for sure. Seriously. You know, we never walk out of mistakes at all. To be honest with you. You never come out victorious. That's why, that's why we are here. That's how God can use us. Continue to mold us, to shape us. If you can tell me, I am victorious today. Yes, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. Only when we depend on Him always. Okay, that's the key. So, seven steps to walking in and out of mistake. Now, the first one. Okay, the first point. When we chose to, Acts chapter 27, verse 9 to 10. Okay, I'm going to read from here. It's much easier. Much time had been lost. And sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. Basically, they're fasting. Okay, that is probably, they find, you no know, after fasting, they probably they should sail on. If not, the weather's going to turn really bad. Okay, in Singapore, um, I don't know about uh, Indonesia or Batam, usually the northeast monsoon comes around, I would say, November to probably January. So that is a time, you know, where we try to have less water activity. Why? Because that is where, you know, the monsoon rain from Malaysia side all the way, they will start to come down towards Singapore, starting from the north side, okay? And that is where we have the rainy season. So Paul warned them, okay? Paul knew. Paul being an intelligent man, he knew as well, so based on his own experience, okay? He warned them, who? The sailors, even the centurion. Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So Paul was warning them, if possible, let's not sail now. I don't know, probably you guys are the experts. He's telling them, you know, out of my own words. Maybe we should do this, you know, think carefully, plan another route perhaps, I don't know. You know, but now is not a good time to sail. Okay, basically very clear, straightforward. Circumstances sometimes will push us into a difficult position. Now, you try to put yourself in the shoes of the sailors. Let's say I am the centurion who's supposed to bring Paul to, to central before Caesar. I have a deadline to meet. I have to bring him there at a certain time. You know, this, we are not in the age of Elon Musk now. We cannot just travel or, or just simply you know, teleport over there. Traveling during that time requires literally time to travel. So if I don't um, what you call that? Uh, maximize the window period right now. I will miss the period and I will not make it to Rome. And probably his head will be on the chopping board, that centurion for sure. So, see, that's where he is under certain circumstances that he has no choice. But whatever it is, Paul, okay, we have to make that journey. You know? So, wrong choices, it could be a wrong choice, but it doesn't matter. It is definitely a wrong choice. Wrong choices that we make sometimes does not allow us. To turn back. Have you ever made decisions in your life that the moment you step in and you realize that, oh gosh, what have I got myself into? It's too late for you to turn back. You know, it's not as easy as flipping a coin, you know. 
And again, I remember when I was young, or in fact, when I watched Chinese drama when I was um, young, okay, especially when a young guy gets a girl pregnant, you know, the, the, the parents will score the, see what happened, okay? Uh, I will say another Chinese idiom, you know, sen mi, sen mi zu chen so fan. Literally, it means, um, you know, rice grain, when you cook it, there is no way that you can turn that rice back into grain again. Or worse, when you cook the grain into a porridge. So, it's just like spilled milk. There is no way that you collect, can collect back the milk. There is no way that you can reverse the process. So, when I watch the drama, when a guy got a young girl pregnant, basically, that's it. You cannot just reverse the whole process, you know, like make the baby disappear. <laughs> so that's the thing, you see. Sometimes when we make decisions in life, gosh, what am I going to do? There's only one way out. That is to face it, to persevere on, and to move ahead. Things like words spoken. You know, power lies in the tongue, the Bible says. When we speak, sometimes, even till now today, sometimes when I talk rashly, when, I, when words just simply came out from my mouth very fast, and I pause for a while, and I think back, oh gosh, what did I even say that? You know, imagine a repercussion. Imagine the hearer, when they receive your words, how would they feel? The Bible also say in Proverbs, in many areas, you know, it's better, even a, a fool is considered wise when his mouth is shut. Yeah, me, I cannot keep my mouth shut, especially when I'm outside. <laughs> I don't know why. I like to open my mouth, and sometimes when I open my mouth too fast, the wrong words came out, okay? Words hurts. And the thing is that, you know, sins in life as well also are detrimental. Things like what? Unforgiveness, grudges, or even broken relationship. Again, I shared a recent um, um, testimony that I heard from my friend. I, I, I have a friend, you know, recently, I, I, I knew him for quite a while. Uh, he's not really a close friend, but he trusted me. We trusted, I trusted him in a sense that sometimes we tell each other some of our family stuff. So he told me, like, you know, his father passed away. He has three. Uh, he has two more brothers. He being the middle one. Okay, he has an elder brother and a youngest brother. The thing, I don't know what happened, but the father willed everything to the only to the eldest brother. So the father passed away, and the, the suddenly the eldest brother became the richest man in the family. Okay, and obviously my friend and the younger brother were not happy about it. So the moment he told me that. I felt a weight. I felt a weight literally coming from him, that unforgiveness. Straight away I told him, he's, he's a stone Buddhist, so I tried to, you know, make it nice for him. And then I told him, yeah, I, I, I cannot, you know, I know it's easy for me to say it, but I don't know how you feel exactly right now, but I told him, the only recourse for you right now is to focus on your family. Whatever happened, it already happened. There is no way that you brood over it, that, you know, you keep pounding on it. Because, I told him literally, the unforgiveness eventually will kill you. And he thought about it. He, he really thought about it. He stopped for a moment. Then he told me, yeah, he will receive his karma. I said, yeah, I told him. To, to us, it's like, seriously, he will, your brother will definitely reap what he sowed. For sure. Okay, you call that karma, but we call it, you know, you will, we will definitely reap. But whatever it is, you know, there's no point for you to go down that road. Because at the end of the day, your elder brother is not going to feel anything. You know, it, it is you. You are the ones going to suffer eventually. So I told him, let go, you know, let go and just focus on your family, focus on your kids right now, focus on your wife, close down this shop, which he's going to, he's, he actually, he owns a shop. Okay. I asked him to close it. He's, he's going to close it down. 
I told him, just go for a short break or holiday first, you know, get everything sorted out and just yeah, leave this matter. I told him, money, you can always earn it back, right? So what if it's 10? Oh, I, 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 he told me at, at least over $10 million of assets that the eldest brother actually got gotten from the father, you see. So all these things, you see, unforgiveness, <coughs> deep resentment, no point holding on. Regress in life, okay? The next, the if only I moments, like, oh, if only I've done this, if only I've not done that. How many of us would think, that going back to the Bible again, that Adam regretted, okay, listening to Eve, and Eve regretted, okay, entertaining the serpents. If you ever think back, and even for Cain himself, okay, regretted that he had murdered his brother in a fit of jealousy and anger. And how about Abraham, right, our father of faith, regretting, okay, heeding the advice of his wife Sarah. And even Esau, I can tell you, even Esau also regretted despising his own birthright, giving, you know, his birthright to his brother Jacob. How about Judas, of all the people? Judah is carried, I'm referring to. His remorse actually caused him to commit suicide. You know, his remorse for betraying Jesus. You see, there are certain th things in life that we, when we decided, when we do it, there is no way that we can turn the whole scenario about in that situation itself. So at that point in time, at that crossroad, what are you going to do? All of us had one point in time that we made a choice and later regret. Right? I regret all the time the, the decision that I make, even for up to today. See, and this will eventually force you into a corner. Yeah, you will be at the ends of the road. In Proverbs 132, it's not up there, I'm going to read. Okay, Proverbs 132 is here, it says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Okay, I'm talking about people who just keep on going, head on, you know, being stubborn. Without realizing it, you are in the wrong direction. Hey, turn yourself around. Stop going in that direction. Eventually, you will kill yourself. That's the reason why I advise my friend. Hey, you know, no point. Straight away, I will not give him any other thing. I will not like, you know, yeah, actually, you should pursue this. You should get him to the lawyer. It's a waste of time. Just let go, you know, just let him be. You know what I mean? So, now, point number two. Okay, when we chose otherwise, Acts chapter 27, verse 11 to 12. Okay, here it continues. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot of the owner of the ship. Uh, okay, classic case. Uh, Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Okay, you know, winter is coming, it's going to be cold where they were, so they decided to push on. So this was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. It's basically, yeah, on the, if this is the island, okay, I'm going to draw, this is the island of Crete. It's actually this part. Okay. Why did the centurion decide to push on? Because I believe he is the one who decides whether to sail or not to sail. Okay. Why did he decide to, put, to push on? So I can only think of you know, a, couple, a few things there. It could be due to pride. Okay, hey, I'm the captain, you know, I'm the most important person on this ship. I, I'm taking charge. Paul, who are you to tell me not to sail? Anyway, you are a prisoner. Why should I listen to you? Why should I trust you? Okay, so based on his own experience, he probably he has sailed that route many, many times. 
you never know. And all this time, probably it was smooth sailing for him. You know what I mean? For the centurion. Or, on the other hand, it could be due to ignorance. Probably his first time sailing, you know what I mean? And listening to Paul doesn't make sense because, after all, like I say, he's a prisoner. He rather listened to the majority who, as we read, we saw that, pushes him to sail on. Let's carry on. Let's not winter here. Let's winter in another place. So, again, this is based on inexperience. Two extreme end. Okay? Of course, it could be simply due to his own stubbornness and peer pressure. Why? Why did I say peer pressure there? Simply put it. Okay? They say, let's move on. Okay? When they say that, yeah, probably the majority make more sense than one single person saying not to. So again, our wisdom will only lead to destruction. And I'm talking about the wisdom of man. I know, you know, we study, we get, you know, different degrees as, as even more than a thermometer, like what Stephen always said. But that can only go so far. That is hate wisdom, knowledge. Okay. At the end of the day, can your knowledge brings you to heaven? It, does, it doesn't. What actually brings you to heaven? You have to think even further about eternity. Okay? Man experience don't bring you that far. And we know the only place is only to destruction. In Matthew 24-35, here it says, right, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So I'd rather listen to God's word than to what you know, man teaches me. To be honest, uh, I have degree, you know, I have my diplomas. I don't find any use for it. Seriously, I don't find any use for it, even till today. I took it all because of, again, you know, this is what it requires in Singapore so called. You know, you need a paper, you know, things. I, I, I think some of you might disagree with me. Some of you probably, you know, you, you are doing what you, have, you are studying right now, which is good for you. Okay, but for me, basically, I have not used what I have studied. So literally, I'm, I have wasted all my years chasing after the paper, chasing after the wind. So, again, I say choose wisely. Okay, now let's move on to the third point. Okay, hang in with me, guys. Okay, a few more points to go. When we thought it was right, you see, it's, it's somewhat like a pro progression. You know, first, the first point we, we choose, you know, when we choose to, you know, the wrong way, then we choose otherwise we may think that, okay, this is the right way, though, so we choose. Now, coming to the third point, at least to the third points. When we thought it was right, it seems correct. So let's read on first. Acts chapter 27, verse 13 to 14. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. This is what I meant. Huh? They thought that, yeah, now is our chance. Okay, the window is open. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. Ta-da! That is your icing on the cake. So, again, it, so it seems. Again, they come before the storm. If you ever notice, okay, Usually before it rains, especially in tropical country, because it's humid, you can actually sense, you can actually smell rain. You know? And I like the smell of rain, especially when it's approaching. I don't know why I like that. Then when you look in the distance at the horizon, you see the dark clouds, like, oh, the end day is coming. <sighs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, can't wait for Jesus to come back. It seems like that, you know, the dark clouds over the horizon. So, that actually is a forewarning to you. Hey, a storm is coming. If you insist on going head on, then so be it. You will definitely run into the storm. Okay? But sometimes, you know, a facade may be there. It could be any situation or circumstances they are in. Apparently, right now, it seems the right way. Even, you know, when you thought that it was a voice of God and you follow, yeah, 
it seems good, it seems right, you know, seems like I make the right choice, mm, everything is going on smoothly, okay? So, the classic case again, you know, the come before the storm, which often blinded us at it seems apparently a smooth sailing moment, okay? Right here, this is what they did. Man, man often tries to predict in a way or assume, okay? Make an S, all of you and me uh, assume, basically that means, uh, the outcome of choices made. But like the weather, circumstances are unpredictable. We cannot control situations in our life. I cannot control what you are thinking or what are you going to do. Right? When I talk to you, for instance, when I give you advices and all that, at the end of the day, you are the one who walk out your own life yourself. Right? Bible says, walk out you know, your own salvation with fear and trembling daily by yourself. I cannot help you to do that. So the choices we make. And in Proverbs okay, um, 16, 9, here it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. We know these verses very well. But the Lord establishes their steps. Again in Proverbs 19, 21, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Basically, God wins. Uh, amen. There are things in life we cannot control, for sure. We thought that we are always in control. Yeah. When I when I when I wrote this, I think about Iron Man. <laughs> okay, why? Because he thinks that he can control everything. You know, power in his hands. You know, the superpower and all that. We can try our very best to prevent or to avoid entirely sometimes. But being wise by being wise and prudent. That's what I think. A lot of. Um, Rich people, I'm not, okay, I got nothing against or criticizing the rich people out there, but usually when a person is rich, you know, you thought that, you know, wealth is power, so they might think that, hey, you know, I have the power, so I can be in control. To me, again, what the Bible says, that is foolishness. Overnight, you know, all this can just disappear. God can just, you know, make that person become poor again, you see. Even with all the effort, but eventually the only smart move is still choosing God's will for your life. We will reap what we sow. It is a fact, like gravity, that we cannot deny it. So I say choose life in God. Okay? So when, what, when we thought it was right, the path that we have, what I'm trying to say here, we may think that, yeah, this seems correct, this seems right. But eventually, God is the one who prevails. Choose God. Why? Because sometimes choosing the will of the Father may seem Audience may seem to be very strenuous, tiring, you know, full of suffering, full of pain, full of, in fact, sometimes full of nothing, right? But the Bible says, wait upon the Lord, because it is His timing, not our timing. In fact, how do you know it is God? Is especially, you are not satisfied with your life. If you are satisfied with the life, that means, to me, I feel, it is not God. It is a gauge that I use. Often, Okay? Or this is what Stephen would say, you know, divine discontentment. I'm always discontented with what I'm doing for God right now. I know I can do more. I know I should do more. Okay? That is, of course, up to me. I have my part to play. God is doing his part as well. So, like I said, we must always be in that situation. To me, it's a healthy situation that we should be in. The moment that you feel contented, the moment that you think that it was right, or in fact that you think you are walking the path that God has given you. Okay? I would, for me, I will always check again. You know, daily I ask God, God, is this what you want me to do? Are you sure? Can you give me another sign, you know, another direction again? Because I'm always 
you know, very eager to not to be contented with that. It makes you in a complacent position, which I don't like. So point number four, okay, let's move on. When we face a storm, uh, here comes the best part. Uh, okay, that was only the prelude to all this. So Acts chapter 27, verse 15 to 17a. The ship was caught by the storm and could not hit into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Basically, they just being tucked along by the wind blowing. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. Those lifeboats are those small little boats that hang on the side. You know, in case they want to abandon ship, they will jump into the lifeboat, okay? paddle, paddle, paddle to the nearest shore. So the men hoisted it aboard. They even they have to save the lifeboat. Lifeboat, sorry. If they don't save the lifeboat, if their boat breaks apart, where where are they going to be? Go, you know, to the nearest shore. And some of them probably can't swim. So the storms. In this case, I would say the storms are the mistake or the choice or the decision, the wrong choice and decisions we make in life are usually overwhelming. That's why it's called a storm. Okay, I don't see anyone can just simply go through a storm smiling. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big storm. I like it. I enjoy it. No, not that I know anyone. Okay, no matter how experienced, how many times a person been through a storm, a storm is still a storm. It is intimidating. It is scary. There's no way out and it is insurmountable. That is the definition of a storm to me. So the storm will stop us in your track or in my track and often rendered for my case, helpless or even paralyzed, causing me to cry out. Okay. When I wrote this point, I remember, you know, again, you know, Stephen said, where can you find God? You know, what he would, where can you find God? Not in his word. I remember God replied, it's not in his word, the Bible. You may think, in church, nah, not really. Yeah, his presence is here, definitely. But where can you really find God? Okay, this sticks to me. Okay, ever since when I had this encounter in the depths of your heart, okay, in the midst of a battle and at the end of a rope. I was literally at the end of my rope, okay, back in 2012. I remember that night I was lying on bed, okay, after I've done many foolish things. Okay, a good story that, in short, that can depict my life was a prodigal son. Seriously, I, I, I told God, God, I don't need you, you know. You can stay away from my life. I was a believer, but I told God. At, there was one point in time where I was so fed up. Nothing good is happening to me. So I thought God abandoned me. Then in that case, then God, I don't need you. I was very arrogant. And God simply just, okay, since you say that, you know, I will not force it on you. Really, I felt like, you know, he just, just watched my life go into a mess. So, yeah, I messed up my life. So that night, I was really, you know, desperate. I cried. I literally cried in my bed. Lying there, I couldn't sleep. And that was the very first time in my entire life. Okay, I believe that time was, I was, I have been a believer for more than 10 years. First time I hear the voice of God. It was like, just like Stephen, you know, when, when, when God called him three times, you know, or when God uh, called Samuel, I heard three, three times or so, but he didn't call my name. Uh, basically, I cried to him. I gave him the question, God, I am sorry. I apologize. So I think that's the first step to salvation. You, you literally admit to God that you are nothing. You know, you need Him. That is where He will immediately reach out instantaneously 
And he would, you would definitely hear his voice. I can guarantee you that. Because that is the moment at your lowest, deepest level where you are literally tied down or you're basically hanging there for your dear life. That is where God finally will appear to you. Sometimes I wish my life daily is like that because I will encounter God powerfully. I can guarantee you that. So God basically just tell me, go back to church. I say, oh, no, God, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> so I need you to help me with my problem now. Now, you get what I mean? Because basically I, I was in, in debt. I was really in debt. I just basically just burst every credit card. You know, I still own a vehicle and all that. That was like, I was like, yeah. Literally the prodigal son's life. So, God, that is not a solution to my problem. He, but he told me, just go back to church. Okay. How? That's the reason. That is also one of the reasons why I know it's the voice of God. Because God will give you an answer which doesn't make sense at all. And you will definitely know it's God. Okay? So I just basically obey. I just go back to church. And that was back when we were in the shelter. That was the first time uh, yeah, that I was... Uh, in a way, reborn again, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit again, till today. I never regret, you know, not obeying that voice. You can just imagine at that, at that point in time, at that moment, I thought that, yeah, probably it's just my own voice, and I just go to sleep, but no, I just basically obey. Someone, you know, some, something inside me just prompted me, you have to obey this voice. See, the thing is that, it, even though outwardly I say, God, I don't need you, I, I don't need you, Please do not be in my life. But something in me is still clinging on, still holding on. That is what God wants, you see. And don't be an apostate. The moment you become an apostate, basically that's it. There is no hope for anyone else really. But so long as there is still a spark in you, that is where God can reach out and make it into a flame. So, so that actually, you know, um, leads to desperation, which actually makes me want to take desperate measure. Now, when I look up the word storm, uh, the noun for storm is actually a disturbance of the normal condition of the atmosphere, a violent disturbance of affairs. It could also refer to civil, social, political realms, or even domestic commotion. Basically, the word storm is negative. Okay, now, verb used without object okay, is to rage or complain with violence or fury, to rush and assault. Now, verb used with an object is to subject to, to utter with, ang with angry vehemence, to attack or assault. So when I try to look out the word for storm, uh, the, 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 I mean the meaning in, in dictionary, there's nothing positive about the word storm itself. It's basically just everything negative. Okay. So that actually tells me, you know, the common outcome is that, you know, there's, in the end, there's only loss and there's only injury. So let's move on to point number five. <clears throat> When we try as we might, Acts chapter 27 verse 17 continues the verse, okay? Then they pass ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So can you imagine, you know, in the past, you know, ships are made of strips of boards, wood. As continuous pounding, you know, by the wave, by the strong current, the ship can literally break apart. So in order to hold the entire vessels together, they have to use rope to pass through the hull, the bottom of the ship to the other side to hold the boat together as much as they can. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Seretis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Again, they are under the mercy of the storm. They cannot do much right now. But to basically try to hold on and survive. 
See, by driving along, just we simply just have to go through with it. Being subjected to simply giving up. At this point in time, I believe the centurion and the rest of the sailors and the prisoners on board, they basically just give up. That's why it's written here. They are, again, driven along, driven along. There is nothing much that you can do right at that point in time. Seriously. Even they chop off the mast, they lower the sail. There's nothing they can do. Okay, The storm is so so much so that they are literally, you know, like being tossed around. Passing the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So this is what I found. We do what we can to stay alive at that point. Right? We do what we can. Oh, whatever it takes to survive. Sometimes literally holding it together. See, a rope is good to tie and hold anything together. Whatever the situation is. Now, what is a good rope? God's word is a good rope. Simply go back to the word of God. That is the only way. I, I, I know, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. You know, there are situations in your life where the storm is like a 10-foot high wave coming, crashing onto you. But trust me, the word of God can make that big tidal wave into a small little, you know, Probably a few centimeters, you know, current, that's all. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Okay, tried and tested. There are many times in my life where I thought like, oh, I'm going to go through this, how am I going to go through this month? For instance, to be honest, gosh man, my income is like ups and downs, it's like fluctuating, it's worse than the stock market. Sometimes, oh good, great, I have jobs. But there are certain months where like, really, I can hear the cricket creaking or the, no, no, the Moses flying around the room, that quiet, no income at all. So what I'm gonna do? So that's why I can understand how Stephen went through, you know, the monthly, the what kind of monthly rental things. Like, literally biting a teeth. Probably he he don't do that anymore. Barbara don't do that anymore. But I still do. I, I, how I'm gonna survive for this month? So there's nothing I can do. Seriously. So I just go back to the Word of God. I just read. Somehow that actually you know puts me in a whole new perspective again. I shouldn't be worried. Why should I be worried? I am in good hands. Okay? That is a reminder to yourself as well. So at this point, usually there are only two options. I'm talking about them. Or even in your case, okay, there are only two options to me. It's either we try to hang on for your dear life, like what they are trying to do with the ropes, or simply give up and surrender. Okay? That is something that I believe that we ought to do. Just give up and surrender. There is nothing much you can do. So leave it to God. So let go and let God. Only when we surrender all and have nothing to hold on to anymore, that is where God is finally given a chance to work on you. God is waiting for that moment. You know, He's always there. That's why He is omnipresent. He is always there. Waiting. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will not take any initiative or any action until you allow him to do it. He will not force it onto you. All you need to say, God, I need you. Seriously, I need you. On your knees, tears rolling down your eyes in desperation. And I, and that night, I remember, that was the only, besides, when I was young, I was being spanked, you know, harshly by my parents. Have you ever tried crying till you have no voice coming out from you? You just open your mouth like Hannah in the temple. Like, to that extent, that desperation, that is where God came. Okay? I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's a be beautiful moment, seriously. 
Yeah. Not that I want to relive that moment, but gosh. So regardless of how, see, how big or small a storm may be, it makes no difference to God. God is not looking at the problem that you have. There is nothing that God cannot solve. Okay? But what actually moved God is the depth and the severity of your cry. I remember also, you know, when I when I did the summer program, uh, Stephen did mention about the four levels of prayer that King David, you know, was talking about in Psalm. Okay, that is actually found in Psalm, yes, chapter five, verse one to two. You see, listen to my words, okay, Lord. I'm using the NIV. I should use you use the KJV, which is much more much more accurate. But nonetheless, okay, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. From this simply two verse, the severity of his prayer increases from a casual prayer to a concerned prayer to a crying prayer to a critical prayer. Your father hears you when you become critical, where you really literally crying out with no voice until blood comes out. That is where God sees, yeah, this person needs my help. See, God is not concerned how big your problem is. Seriously, there is nothing that God cannot solve. He is God. Come on. God Almighty. Right. It's like, ha, are you kidding me, boy? But what actually moves him? Oh, move God is your cry. That relationship that you have with him. Okay? That is so important to him that he can, you know, forego everything in heaven and just attend to you at that moment. It all depends on your cry, on your desperation. Point six. When we eventually surrender, yes, finally. Whew, you see, this is what happened. Okay? So, Acts chapter 27, verse 18 to 21. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargoes overboard. Uh, everything. Okay? On the third day, they threw the ships, even the ships tackle. You know what's a tackle? Tackle is like a metal piece which you actually need it to tie the ropes, to tie all the equipments on the boat itself. That could be an important equipment on the boat, on the boat or on the ship. Okay? Without that, basically the ship becomes, you know, paralyzed again. The ships tackle overboard with their own hands. They're basically just offloading the weights because if not, the boat will begin to sink as well. Okay? The boat is breaking apart, don't forget. So when neither sun nor stars appear for many days, as if it's going to get worse. Now, they don't even have stars and sun. What could be more bleak than this? You might think, oh, my situation oh, is bad. But you look at the person, gosh, man, you're worse than me. What could be worse? You see, when God gives, puts you in a storm, it's not just a simply storm. He knows okay, how much he's going to break you. And God will use that to break you. No matter what it takes, why? Sometimes you ask the question, why God? Why me? Why is it so unfair? Simply because God loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. That's the reason why God allowed this to happen. Okay, later, we, when we look at the hindsight, you will know the reason why. So, when neither the star nor the sun appear for many days, not just one day, and the storm continues raging. Gosh, man, okay. This, is, yeah, this, this, this can be a movie. <laughs> we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, yes finally gave up. This is what God is looking for in your life. See, that is the key 
finally gave up. If you forget everything tonight, whatever I said is okay, but don't forget these words. <laughs> finally give up. That is where God sees the opportunity, the window. <sighs> like, you know, light coming up from you, your faith. That is where you will, He will come. After they had gone a long time without food, <sighs> without food, famine, my gosh, man. Probably by then I'll be eating humans as well. I don't know. Paul stood up before them and said, of all, okay, of all people, Paul has to be the one, obviously, stand up and said, man, <laughs> yeah, I told you so, duh, you don't believe me? You see, you should have taken my advice. As if it's not enough, Paul has to rub it in. Like, why don't we just throw Paul overboard now? We should have done that long ago. Gosh, probably he's the one that's causing all this which they did suspect, okay? So you should have taken my advice not to steal from Crete. Duh. Didn't you listen? Ha <laughs> ha. Probably, probably they might be thinking Paul is laughing in his heart right now. Then you will have spared yourself this damage and loss. You see? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Paul. <laughs> Paul spoke the most, right? I would say he will always speak the most appropriate word, words at the most appropriate time. I don't know why. <laughs> because his word is so, is so real, so true. So bellowing, see, to beat persistently or hard, okay? Pounding repeatedly. I think Baba does that also, you know, when you need to tenderize the meat. You just keep whacking, whacking, whacking until the meat finally, the, 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 the grains on the meat just basically give up, you know, and becomes tender and soft and workable. Okay? The Bible says that only through much tribulations can we enter the kingdom of God. That one is taken from Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Much tribulation. Not just one tribulation, two, three, but much. Only through constant repetitive pounding. Yeah, we need to be pound, I guess. That we render incapable and finally gives up. Okay? So I don't know about you, but when I read this, I find my, oh, man, I, I definitely need more pounding. Seriously, I need more pounding in my life. I may think, you know, from my own perspective that I am suffering, but no, I think, no. No, I need more pounding, definitely. Life is too easy. So verse 20, it says, you see, all hope is gone. When I say it really meant all, nothing left, every single ounce. Whatever they have in them, they just simply give up. To the point, just imagine you are one of the sailors on board. <sighs> Man, I don't, even, I don't even dare to think about my family right now because I know probably to them, this is, all, this is the one-way trip for them. That's it. It's like you going to war. You will never have the thought that I'm going to make it back. No. To the point of desperation that, Probably this is my last trip. Well, whatever it is, I don't care anymore. I'm going to die anyway. See, at the end of the ropes, in the midst of a battle, again I mentioned, or in the depths of your heart. That is where God becomes so real to you. God has never been real to me. I've never heard His voice before till that night. When I was lying on my bed, I was like, wow, okay, this is something new. If you want to ask how the voice of God is like, is. It, it, it sound, sounded like a man. I thought it was, it was my own voice, but it is not. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, it sounds like my own voice. But yet, I knew in depths of my heart, it's another person. He's like, you know, he's so real. It's like another person standing next to me, just whispering in my ears, telling me, that real. You know how real that God was that night to me? Just simply because I heard those voices in my head. It, like what Stephen said, it first, the first came in my mind. And then eventually it travels down. And the third time that it came, it came from here, my heart. 
it comes up from me telling me, go back to church. So when I heard that, I said, gosh, who else can that be? Again, I thought it was my mom. Mom, my mom don't sound like that, no. I even went out like what Stephen does. Seriously, I did exactly the same thing. I opened my door, I went out and checked. My mom was not snoring, but my mom was like really dead asleep, really. My father as well. The only person that was awake that night was myself. And who else? I mean, when I hear that, can you imagine when first time you hear a voice, you get goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I wasn't used to that. And he has to call me twice. You have to tell me the same instruction twice again. That is where I know it is God. Who else could be talking to me at that hour, at that point in time? So how often do we look back and regret the choices that we make? Again, I raise my hand. I have regretted many choices that I make you know, in life itself, but this is life. Who makes smart choices or smart moves? None of us. Even the most smartest person in the world can may, may thought again, as I mentioned before, may seem that you have made the right choice or that person may have made the right choice, but I'm telling you, one day, you know, like there's a saying also, the higher you climb, the harder you fall. Okay? Looking on hindsight, if it were not the mistakes I made countlessly, it would not give God the opportunity to work on me. So I say, come God, you know, work on me often. I want to be pliable for you to work. I don't want to be a hard piece of meat. You know, make, tenderize me as often as you need to. Last but not least, point seven. Now you see, here comes the good news. When you finally give up, that is where you stay on course, you persevere on, despite whatever. Acts chapter 27, verse 22 to 26. But now I urge you, now Paul speaks up, okay? Paul didn't just simply leave it there, ha ha ha, laughing at them. See, I told you, but no. He gave them consolation right now. I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Not one. As I was saying, imagine one of the sailors probably lying there, all beaten up, all injured, okay? Thinking about giving up his life already. Suddenly when he heard this word, none of your life will be lost. He see a spark. And only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. You see, they thought Paul was a curse. They thought Paul was a burden. Eh? Somehow Paul became a blessing to them. And because of Paul, okay, because of Paul, the will of God for Paul's life, okay, in that instance, everyone's life is safe as well. Just like Abraham's, the blessings of Abraham. Okay, we are in that blessing. So, the thing is, nevertheless, okay, as I was, okay, last night, the angel, okay, you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the life of all who sail with you. So, keep up your courage. Again, he says, man, for I have faith in God that it will just, it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. You see, all is, all is not lost. Huh? I know they have lost a lot of equipment, they have lost everything. But at least, most important, they saved their life. When we surrender to God and finally you, He can and will prevail in your life. This is what God is waiting for. He is waiting for that moment where He can just come and take over. God, in all His glory and mercy, 
your life, my life will not be lost. Okay? Paul didn't just say that to encourage them. Paul didn't just say that, oh, come on, guys, cheer up, don't worry, it's not as bad as you think it is. It is that bad. Okay? That's a fact. That's why when Paul say this, I can tell you, Paul is even, you know, should I tell them this? He definitely, he got revelation from God. Probably God spoke to him, which he said, the angels of the Lord spoke to him. So can, imagine you telling someone a prophecy. You wouldn't even dare to open the mouth when, you know, words that doesn't even fit the situation at that point in time. But you have to speak out. And Paul knows that this is definitely the word of God. That's the reason why he has the bonus to speak it out. See, even though certain things may be destroyed or gone, look at Job. Again, uh, Job, which is a book I also don't like to read. Oh gosh, man, it's so laborious to read that book. You know, all the suffering, all the complaints from his friends and all that. But look what turned out. Look how Job, Job actually turned out. He lost everything, even his own family member. He almost lost his life. But God tell, told, the, told the devil not to you know, kill him. You can do anything to him, but don't take his life. You know what I mean? And you see what happened to him. He survived even far greater than he was before. Yeah, everyone else died. His family members like, gosh, man, why God didn't preserve? Like, what? How God preserved these sailors? But anyway, that's God. We can't argue with God. So, verse 23 actually caught my eye. See, last night, an angel whom I belong. Why God didn't say God? I mean, why didn't Paul say God? Why he purposely have to mention, I belong. You know, whom I serve. Things like this. Why he has to, you know, emphasize that. So this is the question I'm going to ask. Is Jehovah our God? El El Yon, your God, your Father, your Master, your King, your Lord. In all circumstances, is Jesus the captain of your ship? No pun intended, huh? literally. Okay, Jesus was the captain of Paul's ship. That's why Paul was so assured. After going through so much, Paul can still stand up and speak. You get what I mean? I mean, where in the world, how can you imagine someone can just simply stand up and just spoke with courage and encouragement? Nobody can do that. Except someone who is with God. So Paul had this certainty and confidence. I can see him standing up, you know, that poise that he can address the man with confidence. So don't be afraid, anxious, anxious or discouraged. Okay, this is what I found. Okay, don't be afraid. Now, Okay, the synonyms of afraid could anxious or discouraged or dismay, but keep up your courage, your fortitude, your endurance, basically perseverance. In Romans, okay, that's chapter 5, verse 3 to 5 here, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. There. Okay, perseverance, character. And then from character, you have this hope. Uh, Paul. Paul is the one who wrote this. So Paul knows okay, his doctrine well. Paul knows. Paul is so certain. That's why he, when he spoke those words, all these are the back of his mind. And hope does not put us to shame. That's why Paul can stand up boldly and speak. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Paul had the Holy Spirit when he was on that ship. Okay, probably, you know, his disciple, his followers, probably yeah, waver here and there, but Paul was definitely with the Holy Spirit all the time, no matter what. And in fact, you know, the word um, 
afraid. Also, somehow, when I look up, the similarity also spirit. So, actually, this caught my attention. Spirit, okay. So, to me, it's just like the deep calls the deep. The Holy Spirit calls out to your spirit. That's why I say on that day, on or even that day itself, or even the, that night itself, Paul was definitely praying. I can tell you Paul was afraid also, even though he was a man of God. But the thing is that his connection with God was so intimate and so close that the Holy Spirit was there encouraging him all the time. There is no way that Paul, at any moment, you sure know. He was very sure. See, same uh, deep cause, the deep shameless audacity. Again, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, we know that story very well. Okay, touching the helms of Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman, you know, even the dogs eats the crumb that falls from the master table. God, Jesus, okay, is looking. His attention will only be caught or he will only pay attention to those who, people who are like this. Are you thick-skinned? Okay, you have to be shameless with God. You do not take no for an answer. If you just say, oh God, okay, okay, no worries. Okay, I will come back and no. In fact, you have to keep pounding, you have to keep knocking, you have to keep asking. You have to be that shameless with God. God is looking for people like this. Okay? Because God, being God himself, okay, all glory goes to him. This is what he wants. So with the surety like Paul, God is real and true. We will, we will never be afraid or shaken by any storm, even though the storm is unavoidable. You make mistakes in life, period. And in fact, this certainty that Paul had, this is your faith. It's, to me, it's equivalent to faith. After saying so much, we can see Paul's faith was different from the rest of the people. They were looking at the circumstances. Yes, it's real, definitely. It's not just hologram. You know, like the recent Spider-Man show, huh? Far From Home, huh? all those holographic, you know. But yet, even those holograms causes destruction. What more to say about real destruction itself? But Paul was above that. He was able to look at the entire situation at a whole new level. That's why he was able to encourage the man. Silver lining on every cloud. So, to conclude, this is what we saw live at sea today. Okay? This is what Paul's <coughs> journey had shown us. Seven steps through walking in and out of mistakes. When we chose to. See, when we chose to walk in mistakes, sometimes purposely or unknowingly, and so be it. Sometimes we know that we cannot turn back. Turning back is too late, it's too far. So we have to move on. And when we chose otherwise, being stubborn, you know, sometimes not learning from our own experiences, I make mistakes all the time, again and again, the same mistakes. And so be it. How many times, I don't know. But if it takes 20 times for God to get through me, then so be it. But God will definitely get through. So when we thought it was right, when, you, when it seems correct, when you think that it's a smooth sailing journey that you are taking, okay, I encourage you to think again, pray. God, is this really what you want for me? Is this really your will? So, and apparently when you finally face a storm, okay, that is where everything becomes overwhelmed. Okay, everything becomes like oh, dark, bleak. But we try as we might with our own effort, with our own strength. We can do whatever you want. You can use a rope to tie, to hold on to. But eventually, you have to come to a point of surrender. You have to give up all hope. All hope. Not just certain hope, not, not just some hope, but everything. Surrender. Okay, we raise a white flag. I remember Chris Tomlinson. And finally, okay, when we stay on course, 
after so much things has happened, you stay on course despite the situation, the circumstances, God will prevail. So this is what I have uh, for us tonight. You know, I hope you know, this encourages you know, anyone who is facing any um, problem or circumstances out there. Yep, thanks.